welcome to Sudai Illusions. We are back in the Rankin Bass Cinematic Universe, and you know what that means? That means that Christmas coverage is starting. We are kicking off another season of God, these are weird, 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 weird Christmas specials. I mean, what do we show the children? And I mean, we've actually covered probably most of the weirdest ones. I'm looking at Life and Adventures of Santa Claus and Pinocchio's Christmas, but those would have never existed if it hadn't been for the earlier crop that tend to be the ones that Freeform shows in their 25 Days of Christmas because they're not totally batshit crazy. Although, this one, I don't know. We <laughs> Santa Claus is Coming to Town is a special. I thought about doing it last year. It kind of con- It was kind of contingent on whether... I thought we could get all of them done last year. I think we've got, like, in terms of the stop motion, not counting the cartoons, although at some point we'll probably have to do Frosty the Snowman, which I don't really like. Uh, But in terms of the stop motion ones, I think we have about five left. And uh, this one, I was kind of like, you know, I don't want to end on one that's probably one of the more popular. Santa Claus is Coming to Town, which was released in 1970, is uh, without question the most popular Rankin-Bass stop motion special that we haven't covered yet and I think of the overall rankings I'd probably in terms of most popular Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer followed by Year Without a Santa Claus followed if you're including the animated ones then you would put Frosty the Snowman I think that's probably the only animated cartoon that I would rank above this and then where you put Santa Claus is coming to town against Little Drummer Boy I would probably rank little well in terms of quality i would rank little drummer boy above this one anyway but also in terms of popularity it does kind of have the benefit of that one is only about 20 minutes uh, 25 fits into a half hour block versus this one is about i think it runs about 50 with uh, end credits uh, edited down for commercial television obviously they take a few things out including something that frankly should have just been taken out of all the releases burning what child wants to see the toys getting burned? I mean, it's really fucked up. Although we are really getting ahead of ourselves on that one. So, okay, let's dial it back a little bit. A little bit of context. So this one, as I said, was released in 1970. Puts it on the earlier spectrum. Uh, basically behind just Rudolph, Frosty, and Little Drummer Boy in terms of... It's about to say continuity, but in terms of release order. And actually, continuity... It's not necessarily completely irrelevant in this. A lot of people tend to think that Santa Claus is coming to town and the year without a Santa Claus are linked because Mickey Rooney is the voice of Santa Claus in both of them. He also returned to do Santa in A Miser Brothers Christmas much later. We covered that one. Kind of a bummer of that one because it's one of our more popular Christmas episodes. And, God, I fucking hated that special. I thought it was terrible. Um, But anyway, this one, Santa Claus is coming to town. Not a prequel. Doesn't actually... There is kind of a Rankin-Bass cinematic universe. That's not completely a joke. And it's mostly seen through Rudolph and Frosty, Christmas in July, which we haven't covered. It's an hour and a half. It really does drag. Uh, I've been kind of dragging my own feet on wanting to cover it because it's a mess. But that one does bring together the characters from Rudolph, Frosty, and Jack Frost, which will be the next one that we cover here. Uh, it brings them all together in kind of a convergence, and that is the original voices, and it is meant to... It does share continuity with Rudolph and Rudolph's Shiny New Year. Boy, was that a gem. 
and Frosty and Jack Frost. This one doesn't really fit in anywhere very neatly. And I, Year That a Santa Claus doesn't fit in with the rest of those either. Just those are all the ones that an average person would probably understand. And guess what? Little Drummer Boy is not part of that continuity either. All right. To get started. Now, Santa Claus is Coming to Town is... It's it's an origin story in, in kind of the same way as Solo, a Star Wars story. It shows Santa as a young guy. But as a, as a narrative, the film is, is largely concerned... Not necessarily with explaining his, his rise to power, his hero's journey, all the things that make him tick. No, it, it's mostly set to kind of address the Easter eggs that a child might include in their Christmas letter, which might explain why Fred Astaire is in here as the narrator. He is known as uh, Special Delivery S.D. Kluger, S.D. Kluger. So I guess his name is tied in with his job. It would be like if Mr. McFeely's actual name was Speedy Delivery. I'm not sure we even know Mr. McFeely from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood's name, so maybe it is Speedy Delivery, but I kind of would hope not, if I'm being honest. Uh, SD, I mean, SD is kind of, I don't know, the dance. he gets a little bit of a dance that's reminiscent of Fred Astaire's choreography in the beginning. That's kind of cool. At the end of the day, I think that the big problem... Fred Astaire is not really a problem with this, but he he pales in comparison to Shirley Booth from The Year Without a Santa Claus. He's just not as good. Um, And this is is a story... I think Santa Claus is Coming to Town is kind of a story that... There's a reason that this one is is held up in higher regard than uh, some of the later ones. Like, we don't see Pinocchio's Christmas or the Life and Adventures of Santa Claus cycled into the... I mean, AMC has a parallel uh, block of Christmas stuff that... We're talking about cable television that I'm sure a lot of people don't even watch anymore. But if you care about Freeform's 25 Days of Christmas, well, AMC's knockoff of that does have some of the more obscure ones. But I think that this one is included in more of the mainstream... Because it does have a story that's basically pretty easy to follow. And yet, in the third act, and God, I I hate to sound like too much of a film critic as I uh, tear apart a children's special, but it it just, there's not real oomph. It just kind of falls flat. This is a a story mostly about Easter eggs. Like, if you sat down in the theaters prepared to watch Solo, a Star Wars story, and and what instead you, you learn why he got his last name, you learn why he has the gun that he has. Uh, you know, do we need to learn the zeitgeist of this man, or do we need to know that he learned the art of ho-ho-hoing from a bunch of seals that he met in the Arctic? I don't know. I don't know. You know, that's an open question. That's food for you to think about as as you listen to this crap. Um, so we've got this town called uh, Somber Town, which... You know, if you think South Town from here without a Santa Claus is a dumb name... Uh, Sombertown, I mean, we've got a lot of Footloose thrown in here, too, I guess, but uh, that comes in a little later. It's ruled by a guy named Burgermeister Meisterberger, who is, uh, I, he's he's just kind of a, a crab. He, he's not an immovable crab, but he, he's maybe, maybe, stub, maybe a bit too stubborn for his own good. A baby arrives at his doorstep. The mother can't feed him, wants him to be loved. All the name tag says is Klaus. And uh, they want him to. They I guess they want Burgermeister. I don't. 
don't know. If you're going to give a kid up for adoption and you've got, like, the pick of the litter of places to send him, are you going to send him to Sombertown? I don't really know. Kind of a mess. But, uh, Burgermeister, this crab, he gets the note. It's supposed to want to raise the child, and he doesn't... He doesn't want to. The dude's a dick. So he orders the kid sent to a nearby orphanage, and his henchmen take the baby on a, on a sled. We also have the lawkeeper, Grimsley, who's... Uh, his characters are pretty flimsy. Uh, on the way, on the way to the orphanage, I guess Sombertown does not have an in-house orphanage. They do have a lot of children, but, uh... On the way there, there's some the, the some wind knocks over the sled, and the baby, the baby's out in the cold, and you'd think that maybe the baby would die of hypothermia, but no, there's actually a bunch of animals that are very smart, and the animals know that they have to keep this baby away from this guy who really sounds very menacing. His name's the Winter Warlock, and... He really, he looks like, he looks like Saruman and, and Jack Frost got together and had a baby. And he's actually kind of got a personality. He's almost like, he later on he kind of becomes Santa's consigliere after probably the, the special's best song. But uh, they, the animals hide, hide the baby from the Winter Warlock and they take him, they take him to this elf family. The, this this special position Santa's origin narrative as kind of like a hybrid Snow White Superman type situation. You've got this the hero is left to be raised by elves, but it is clearly more powerful because the elves cannot travel. Apparently, it's unclear. They seem later on to be able to kind of get to Somber Town, and the elves are. They're an interesting bunch. They're they're a nice family. They're led by the matron. It's a matriarchy society. Uh, Tanta Kringle is the leader. Uh, the one who finds him initially is Dingle Kringle, which sounds a lot like Dingleberry, which are you know it's a sign of maturity that I'm able that that not that I'm not able to uh, resist saying that, but that I didn't laugh when I did, and I'm not laughing now. So, <laughs> oops, there we go. We found the limit. So Dingle Kringle, he's kind of like, I guess, probably the closest thing to a father figure, but Tanta Kringle is, I, I'm not sure why I'm distinguishing any of this, but I don't know, it's kind of like when, when Superman lands in Smallville and you got Jonathan and Martha Kent who are older, they're loving people, they give him a loving home, they educate him, and they know that, that he is destined for things bigger than their house. Um, what's kind of weird about House Kringle as a, as a family they do a great job kind of covering the bases and giving uh, the baby, they name him Chris, Chris Kringle. We find the origin story for that. They they educate him. They've taught him a trade. They taught him. What's weird here, they make toys. They make, that's their profession, and they appear to be quite good at it. But they don't sell the toys because they cannot get to Sombertown. There isn't any interstate commerce and it's unclear how house kringle makes a living when they they have an occupation that that they can't actually use because they don't have anybody to do business with you're looking these these people seem to have a fairly loving home a nice piece of land uh and and, and a, a nice property that isn't really running into issues with this winter warlock that the animals are afraid of and the animals are very smart they're teaching they're teaching Kris Kringle other things. We've we had to have an I 
I don't know. I could nitpick them calling, like, figuring out why he's called Chris Kringle. That's that's really not the worst thing in the world. At this point, we learn also that the the seals teach him, ho 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 ho. Uh, we also we also at this point, one of the Kringles uh, delivers a line that, I I, we're fifty fifty two years after the release of this special, the line. If only one of my dollies could be held tight by a little girl. Yeah. I don't know. That is a line that uh, I believe it is Dingle Kringle who says that line. Hey. You know, you just gotta wonder. Presumably old men are writing this. Nobody wants to say... I mean, that this is not the special's only, like, cringe... It's honestly one of those things. You could say it's aged poorly. I would like to go back into the room where it was written at all. Because, I mean, you got to write that script and you got to animate it. Somebody's, you've clearly got storyboard people. How is this shit getting through? This isn't even really the worst one. We learn that, that Chris's role in House Kringle is he's going to be the one who gets the toys to Somber Town and presumably is able to bring something resembling an income, which is not. This this special's relationship with capitalism is very odd. I want to hold off on that for uh, a little bit until we get to the really weird special. I would also at this point note that this is kind of where Mickey Rooney's voice acting starts to come in. Santa Claus is coming to town. One thing that weirded me out when I was little about this, you'd see the commercials on Freeform. I obviously, like... A lot of Christmas special enjoyment, we, we all have our traditions, and, and a lot of what we like to watch at Christmas goes back to what we liked to watch when we were kids. So a lot of these specials, if you didn't watch them as kids, or if you didn't watch them a lot as kids, they can seem very odd, and you're not going to have the connection to them that you might have had if you had grown up sort of alongside your natural questioning of some of these uh, storyline decisions, but... One thing that I remember about the commercials for Santa Claus is coming to town is a lot of them downplayed how much of the special was Santa before he was Santa. He's a young guy. Mickey Rooney, even back in 1970, the dude lived a long time. But, I mean, just five years later, he's playing the old Kris Kringle. He sounds old. He does not, in 1970, the dude sounded old. He didn't sound like a young guy. And, I mean, it's kind of a catch-22. The fact that Mickey Rooney voiced uh, Chris Kringle here is is really the only reason that anybody gives a shit about this because it, it ties into uh, Year Without a Santa Claus, and he's one of the more famous people we've had doing these types of specials. But at the same time, he just he's really out of place, and he almost he acts like an old man too, especially in his interactions with the children, even as a young guy. It's It's... I don't want to sound like I'm nitpicking, and yet the dynamic is very odd. He's 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 kind of a dick. He really is. And he's a dick in a way that you'd kind of forgive an old man for being a dick. But a young guy, I don't know. So he realizes that uh, he has to go out. You know, he reaches a point where it's time for him to leave the nest. Uh, we learn at this point that's where he gets his suit. His red suit is from the elves who all dress the same way, and they make him one. It's very cute. He looks great. He is basically accused of being a homosexual by multiple members of Sombertown, uh, residents of Sombertown, and yet he keeps, he doesn't really have any problem with it. That That's apparently not enough to get somebody on the naughty list, but 
it's actually he, here's a bizarre coincidence for everybody. So, a few years. This has a bit of a time jump, giving time for the young Kringle to grow up. Grow up. At least he's not Dingle Junior. But right around the time that that he's old enough to go out on his adventures and give toys to everybody, that is coincidentally when uh, Burger Meister Meister Burger trips and falls and breaks his foot, and as a result, he decides. Guess what? It's just like Footloose. He's going to ban toys. I think this is before. This is definitely before Footloose. Um, but maybe Footloose copied this special. If they did, they did it better. So we see a scene where uh, all of Burgermeister's minions... He's got a lot of cops for how big this town is. It's not very big. They're going around. They're confiscating toys. And uh, we got this one donkey who finds it fucking hysterical. Donkeys are kind of assholes in a lot of these specials. It's a very strange situation. Um, and the kids are not allowed to play. They have to do manual labor. Oh, I forgot to mention... Uh, as soon as as soon as Santa goes on his journey, he's uh, I guess they needed him to have a sidekick of some sort. So we have Topper the penguin doesn't really factor in much to the the plot line at all. But uh, I don't know. Here we are, and it's at this point that Chris is basically the woman looks at his clothes and it says, you know, he's ridiculous. He should be ashamed for going out dressed like that. Uh, I thought he actually looked pretty good. I don't know, the color scheme matched his hair, uh, Santa Claus's bright red hair. I don't know, he's a good-looking dude from the beginning. <laughs> and yet, he's kind of a douchebag. Maybe it's because he was the recipient of homophobia, but I, I, I have to assume that it's likely that Santa Claus is bisexual or pansexual. But he's angry. You've got these kids that are, um, literally, the narrator explains that they're now being judged by the amount of chores that they can do. They're They're... They're put into the wheel of capitalism. I'm sitting there. As the kids are, are forced to do labor, they're not allowed to have any fun. And and they're learning that their life will be valued by the output of their work. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, like, you know, it's not that often that Christmas specials really dive into the, the nitty-gritty and the mechanics of capitalism and, and exerting, you know, just milking somebody's labor value for all it's worth. But... I don't know, maybe these people have read Das Kapital. Chris Kringle certainly hasn't, and he's very angry. But is he angry at the bourgeoisie? No, he's actually angry at the proletariat. He tells them they don't have to look so glum while they're doing their chores. That's the only output by which their value is measured. No, he says he doesn't like sour faces. And they're kind of sitting there thinking, why? And he says, you know, you better not pout. I'm telling you why. And he's like, well, and you can see he's making it up on the fly. He's like, because I, I came to town. It's like, fuck off, dude. Like, who? It's such a douchey thing to say to a kid, like, I'm only going to give you this toy that I made, and actually I'm here soliciting business, and you're the customer, and I'm giving you the product, but only if you're not angry about your life being shit. I don't know. I hate that part about, you know, you better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. Like, something bad happens in your life. You can't make a good, doing a good thing for somebody conditional on their ability to, to put on a good face and to, to, to offer up emotions that please you and satisfy you to an extent that you're going to actually do something nice for them. I I hate that shit. If you're gonna, if Santa Claus is gonna be an altruistic guy who flies around, rot, breaking into people's houses to give them toys, 
Why does he have to be such a dick about it? Why is this Santa making these kids who, who are explaining their chores and how much it sucks? No. Does he have empathy? Does he say to these kids, like, I'm sorry that you have to put up with this? I'm sorry that you don't have any toys? No, he just rails them harder. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? It's also at this point that we meet Miss Jessica, who, surprise, surprise. I mean, you know, to a kid, they might be able to go a little bit in the special and not realize it, but she is going to be Mrs. Claus, and Santa is openly flirting, and Jessica is basically, and she's a school teacher. She seems to be the only adult who's actually concerned that, hey, like, let's say, let's say I was a parent, all my kids' uh, toys have been confiscated, they're outside doing manual labor, maybe I'm looking out the window to see how many, how many socks they've washed, and I'm ready to, to, you know, dock their supper for, I mean, how, if they didn't do a good job sweeping the floor or something, and I look outside and I see this guy in a flamboyant outfit giving toys to my kids, and that's against the law. I might go outside and say, hey, man, I don't want my kid to go get locked up and thrown in jail for playing with a toy that you gave him. So, Miss Jessica, thankfully, is kind of the only one who's saying, like, hey, Chris, like, these toys are no good. And what does Santa do? Well, he gives her a toy, too. And I know we haven't talked about the songs, really. They're really odd. Like, what am I saying? We have a song called No More Toy Makers to the King. We learned that the Kringles once had this prestigious... Toy Maker to the King... That's really not Hand of the King. The one that's probably worth noting... Uh, well, we've actually... The, the next two are, are kind of worth noting. The most... I don't know. It's pretty fucked up, if I'm being honest. Chris Kringle has... They need to do an origin story. You know, we have an origin story for why you can't pout. Well, we also need one... An origin story for why... Uh, kids sit on the lap. And... <laughs> it's so weird. There's a song. It's literally called Be Prepared to Pay. And, you know, it's a capitalism-heavy special. We're not, it's not clear how the elves, the elves don't really appear concerned with selling toys. However, they still need a song that addresses that, that nothing in life is free. However, instead of kids paying money to Santa, they have to sit on his lap and give him kisses. That's really the nature of the song, is explaining that you have to be prepared to kiss Santa's cheek. You have to whisper in his ear, tell him what you want, while you're sitting on his lap. And you got to give him a kiss on the cheek. And the song is called Be Prepared to Pay. I mean, ugh, just like, imagine a, a row of children lining up to see Santa and the elves are going, be ready to pucker up and kiss Santa. Like, give Santa a kiss. So you remember, I mean, I think a lot of us can maybe relate or, or having seen it on TV or something, you know, the the trope of the old, like, cringy aunt or... or just old person, and you, you know that your parent, the parents saying like, give him a kiss, and it's like, ugh. Well, no, we have a whole song, Santa Claus, be prepared to pay. I mean, elves don't care about money. No, it's kisses and sitting on the lap for Santa. I mean, it sounds. I, I, I'm not sitting here trying to make something sexual that isn't. And it is. You fucking have to kiss him. Like, you don't get a toy unless you kiss me on the cheek. What the fuck? I don't know. It's very. It's very strange. And, you know, Santa's singing. Santa's singing about being prepared to pay. And Burgermeister comes out. Burgermeister kind of doesn't care. And Santa's going to give him a yo-yo. Oddly enough, if you're Burgermeister, wouldn't you kind of think, like, 
you know, Santa's giving out, there's clearly some sort of exchange of goods. We've got a toy for kisses slash lap sitting slash ear whispering set up. I don't know, like, he doesn't have a license to, to do this, to conduct this commerce in the town square. There's got to be something there that's taxable. And if you're Burgermeister, you're probably wondering how you can kind of make a buck off this. But Burgermeister's pretty happy with the yo-yo. He's remembering all the fun that toys... You know, toys are fun. That's something that, you know, adults, that we don't have kids, we remember. And actually, <laughs> you, know, you don't need to distinguish adults without kids... <laughs> Aren't the only ones who remember that toys are fun? Hey, adults with kids. <laughs> you guys know better than we do. <laughs> Maybe not better than me specifically. My apartment's filled with toys. I just put up a plushy hammock in my bedroom. Kind of, I I don't know. How am I supposed to find a husband that way? I don't fucking know. That's my problem. <laughs> but Burgermeister was remembering. And actually, it was all going well until his minions reminded him that he was breaking his own rules. Which could have been a, an interesting opportunity to flip the script, take Burgermeister, violator of his own rule, throw him in jail for breaking his own law. But no, they turn the table back on Claus, and and Chris Kringle has to run, has to run away, and this is where we get the Winter Warlock again. He goes, ostensibly, he's trying to go home to get some more toys, but Winter Warlock gets him. There's tree monsters. I mean, these Rankin Basses, Rudolph and Frosty, Christmas in July was later. That villain is kind of like this guy. Life of Adventures of Santa Claus, also later. I mean, this one is, they're, they're the ones ripping off this one, I guess. But the Winter Warlock, this is kind of his moment. He captures, he captures Chris, and Chris, smart guy. I mean, this dude should be in sales. He gives him a toy train. And uh, that, that's all it takes to melt the Winter Warlock's exterior. And this is where the, the special's best song comes into play. Because the Winter Warlock is basically, he gets a present, he is touched, it does, it, he's, he moves, he moves off of his cold, hard exterior, is, is really happy with Kris Kringle and his penguin topper. But he says he's got a cold heart and he's going to do bad things again, that's what he's worried about. And Kringle actually really does a good job managing him and kind of says, you know, if you're somebody who wants to change, hey, change is hard. We all have things about ourselves that maybe we want to change. I would love to be less annoying. That takes a lot of work that, unfortunately, I'm not very good at putting in. <laughs> but if I did want to change and if I wanted to put in the work, and if I, you know, if you were somebody who said, I want to put in the work, but it's just too hard, we have a song in this special that kind of makes things easier. Because you have to kind of, if you're a long-time Thomas the Tank, if you're a long-time Estrada Illusion fan, particularly our Thomas the Tank Engine coverage, you could remember Edward's exploit where the, he uh, loosened the coaches to try and get them started. One helps the other. That's kind of, I don't know why that needed to be mentioned. Um, sometimes, actually, I, I view uh, problem massive problem-solving, like when you're trying to deal with a big task and you're very intimidated by it, I like to think of, Edward's exploiting the task, but you could also use this song, put one foot in front of the other. Basically, they make they, they bring up a valuable lesson that is if you have a very difficult thing that you want to change that you think's too hard, you need to focus on the individual steps to get you uh, through each step of the journey. You have to put 
one foot in front of the other. That that's the that's the special's best song by a mile. That also might kind of also illustrate why this one is is a lesser special than let's say Rudolph, A Year Without a Santa Claus, both of which have at least a couple songs that people can remember. I mean, Be Prepared to Pay is pretty fucked up. This one, this is a good song. Mickey Rooney does a good job. Uh, the animation, they're kind of dealing with a smaller set that they kind of have to stretch out a bit for the duration of the song. Kind of nitpicky. I don't know. It's 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 a good song. It's It's pretty good. So at this point, we also, I mean, maybe... I talked about it. it was unrealistic that the Kringles couldn't figure out some sort of supply chain to get the toys to Sombertown. These kids are writing letters to Kringle to get more toys. Apparently, they don't really care about the law so much anymore either. But the animals are the ones that are, are trying to deliver it. And Miss Jessica, the Winter Warlock, is, is actually a powerful ally, even though his powers disappear a bit later in the special. But uh, he... he Helps Chris reconnect with Jessica, and we have another, we have another, gee, this maybe didn't need an explanation. Miss Jessica arrives, they're looking at the letters, and uh, Chris Kringle's like, well, I'll bring him more toys, but, and he's thinking back to when he said that they better not pout, and he said, you know, I'll give them toys, but they better behave, and uh, I, I see them when they're sleeping, and I know that they're awake, and you can tell, you watch, you watch this guy, and he's just making this shit up as he goes along. It's like an episode of Estradiol Illusions. And, I don't know, he just seems abusive. I don't want... This is something I, I had to... Uh, you grew up in a religious home, and, uh, you know, people have needs. Uh, nocturnal emission. You get what I'm saying. I think it's very fucked up. The church is like, you can't touch yourself. God is watching. At a certain point, you just kind of got to look to the sky and say, hey, man, if you're up there watching, that's pretty fucked up. Why don't you not watch me masturbate? Um, and I think, like, Santa, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Well, then he knows when, he does know when you've been bad or good. And that itself, on his end, is something that is bad. There's no consent there. You can't have consent with somebody who is omniscient. And I don't like that Santa is omniscient. I would much prefer if, like, the folklore, maybe he has, like, a lie detector. He goes, you know, you sit on his lap, and he's able to tell if you're lying then. But I don't like him having all power. Does he see me in the shower? I mean, has he seen, like, over the past few years that my breasts have grown? I don't know. These are reasonable th What does omniscient mean? And if, if these questions cannot be answered, you have to wonder who's coming up with this shit, because they should have thought about that. And kids will be scarred. Wondering, you know, you have, I don't, do we have to have, like, I don't know, it's the naughty list, just give the toys at Christmas, don't, don't make kids at the fret of whether they've done, like, some mundane thing that's gonna get all their toys taken away, that's never actually happens, pretty fucked up, it's pretty fucked up stuff, what's also kind of fucked up is that the elves are then able to, they actually say, they bring up the supply chain, and the elves move closer to Sombertown, and it's specifically, they moved to have the supply match the demand. And it's at this point that, that House Kringle kind of, they basically become kind of outlaws. They're, uh, Chris is, is telling Sombertown, hey, leave your doors unlocked. I'll come in. I'll put the toys, I'll put the toys down. And uh, we've got a black market for the toys. And uh, 
Burgermeister is kind of so he's destroying toys, including a scene that happens a little bit later, uh, where he makes all the kids watch as he uh, assembles the toys in the town square and burns them. And I che- I checked and <laughs> guess what, people? If you're watching the freeform cut, if you grew up with the freeform cut, you may not be familiar with that scene because they cut it. And I say to that, good fucking riddance. But uh, we also learn the origin story of why. I mean. Him having to go, you know, Burgermeister is useful in the sense that he gives Santa a reason for why he's got to do this at night. And Burgermeister, to protect the town, orders all the doors to be locked. I think actually in some places you are supposed to lock your doors at night. Just as a town safety thing. I, I don't know. That's, that's not the... That's just to say that it's not the absolute... In Burgermeister, Meisterberger's defense, it's not the absolute dumbest rule. It's small town. Lock your doors. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so Chris starts going in through the chimney. He is an outlaw. He's kind of like the outlaw Josie Wells or uh, the Young Guns or Billy the Kid. I think that's probably the reference I was probably going for the first time. Places the toys in the stockings. Stockings actually a great place to hide the toys, too. But Burgermeister, his, his squad is actually pretty good at finding these guys. I mean, it's just... I don't know. I don't really like the imagery of, of the town. Like, he's on lockdown. He's got his, his, his police force. He's got his ACAPs going around looking for toys. Kind of fucked up. Uh, it's around this time, and, and Burgermeister is getting cl- smart at, at catching Klaus, and it's right around this time that, that the Winter Warlock just loses his powers for no reason. I pause the special to look up because I'm sitting there, and I'm taking notes. And I'm staring at the TV, and I'm thinking, like, did I miss this? How did Winter Warlock lose his power? So I rewind it about a minute, still looking at it, thinking to myself, gee, I have a master's degree in English literature, and I'm being stumped by this special. God. Just to take a quick aside, when we were doing Life and Adventures of Santa Claus last year, oftentimes, like, for Astro Illusions, if we have, like, a guest on or something, which hasn't really been happening, uh, it's a lot of work, uh, but I watch the film usually the day or two days before, think about it for a bit before we record. That one, I almost basically wanted to record immediately after watching it because I, I didn't think I could. I didn't think the longer time went that I would be able to explain the plot because that's how confusing it was. And that's just to say that, that these specials are sometimes very incoherent. And sometimes they're incoherent, not because they're hard to follow, because they're impossible to follow. Because why did the Winter Warlock lose his power? Well, he... We don't know. I looked it up. We still don't know. And he can't help. And uh, he gets captured, and the Kringles get captured. Jessica doesn't. She does try to get him out with Burgermeister. Doesn't work. We have the traumatizing burning of the toys. (laughs) And then we have a we have a song we have a song with Jessica which is I don't know it's some of it's in animation it's actually it's kind of sweet it's probably her I was about to say her moment of agency and yet the song itself is called My World Is Beginning Today where she basically her life will now be defined by her last name she's Miss Jessica and she's she's realizing that she does have to throw her lot in with Kringle it's not. It's not the most well-developed romance, but this is not a bad song, and it's interesting. Mean, she gets something to do. It, it's not the year that a Santa Claus, Mrs. Claus, is the true hero. She's the narrator. She's the f- glue that kind of holds everything together and the major catalyst. And Santa's kind of a curmudgeon in that. Here we see a little bit of her rise. It it it. 
it's it's some nice animation. It looks kind of psychedelic. Uh, I, I liked it. What I didn't necessarily like is uh, so we got Kringles, the Kringles, the elves, Santa, and and the Winter Warlock are in jail. Jessica goes says to Winter Warlock, "Yeah, surely you have some magic left." And what does he have? He has magic. He has magic corn. Magic corn. What is magic corn used for? Oh, gee, let's think about it. What have we? What do we not have yet? We have uh, ma- <laughs> the the magic corn is how reindeer fly. I don't know. I think of all the things that we needed information for, we probably didn't need to know why kids better not pout because they're being their their labor is being exploited. We didn't probably didn't need that. We probably didn't need Topper as a character at all as a penguin. We probably don't need to know why they say ho ho ho. Maybe. Maybe it would be smart to know why the reindeer can fly. Because clearly they couldn't before or else the Kringles would be able to get the toys to Sombertown. But uh, he's only got this magic corn. That's all the power that Winter Warlock <laughs> has left, which he then gets. And uh, we get uh, we get the liberation of, uh, of, of House Kringle and the Winter Warlock. The reindeer come and fly them away. It's unclear how the doors to the prison got unlocked. This is actually... If I had if I had to find my primary complaint with this special, I could say, you know, it doesn't have the heart that some other ones do. But really what it's missing is a third act that 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 kind of justifies the experience. Because the the breakout scene is very quick. It's like a blink and you miss it. And it's coming off of a decent song. There's no I'm not saying I want some big battle or action, but they're just there's no suspense. There's no drama. They're in jail. Now they're not. Burgermeister and his authoritarian regime were winning and until Jessica somehow just breaks everybody out, and that's kind of it. And what happens to Burgermeister? Well, his 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 family dies out. That's kind of that. There there isn't a climax, really. And this is a special that that finds two characters to posit kind of as as the main antagonist. You've got the Winter Warlock is initially a villain, and then you've got Burgermeister, and neither like Winter Warlock turns good, and Burgermeister just kind of fades away. There's not really, there's not a this this special doesn't really the climax is is him marrying Mrs. Claus, which I want to get too ahead of ourselves. Uh, there is probably the funniest scene in the whole special with the magic corn. They're talking about which reindeers can fly, and uh, we, we see Rudolph for a second. <laughs> the narrator says, "Well, that's another story," which had actually already happened at this point. The special that made all of... You know, if Rudolph bombed, we wouldn't be sitting here doing any of these because they probably wouldn't exist, but... We also uh, we also learned that Santa has uh, grown a beard and changed his name. He's going to use the Klaus name because Kringle is outlawed. They're rebels. They're on the run. No church will marry him and Jessica. And he he decides also that... The, Klaus is not just a pseudonym, but it's it's the name that Jessica's also going to take, and they're going to form their family. Very patriarchal. I mean, it's it's actually possible that Jessica is Miss Jessica's last name, and Miss is her first name, and we could have Santa Jessica, which, I don't know, maybe that's better than Santa Claus, but uh, that we find out that that's a pseudonym. We also find out that because they're exiles, Somber Town is apparently so big that they're... It's unclear where the other towns are, and it's unclear where Burgermeister's uh, power, if it extends just, if he's kind of like a magistrate over Sombertown, or if there are other family people in House Meister who are, or House Burger. Anyway, there's no church. 
you wouldn't think that a town as small as Sombertown would would have necessarily more than one church. It probably doesn't look like it has much freedom of religion, so they would probably only have one faith to begin with. But no church will marry them, so they get married in the most beautiful church you've ever seen, this this outdoor. It does actually look beautiful. It's an outdoor tree, and uh, we get the Winter Warlock. His powers come back for just a split second so that he can light up the Christmas tree that's been decorated, and now we learn that, hey, we have Christmas trees and we give presents because this is actually Santa's wedding day. Is that super needed? Uh, you know, I'm actually going to, I'll defend it a little bit. It's a little sweet. And it's also very sweet to see Fred Astaire and and the special kind of stumble over. They want to kind of present a secular Christmas, and yet at the same time, this is about as religious as the special is willing to get. They call it a church. No other church will have them. And it's like on this most divine day, and it's talking about how great Christmas Eve is, uh, yeah, I mean, they. but as beautiful as it was with that outdoor church, they certainly did take the Christ out of Christmas, that's for sure. They do call it a night of profound love, but we don't really know if, if that's as a result of Jesus or if Santa, the culmination of all his lap kisses that he's made people get, you know, you be prepared to pay. What an ominous, ominous song to sing about making kids kiss you. But we also learned that Santa, at least at first, would basically fulfill toy orders as they came in. He wouldn't do it once a year. And the only reason Christmas Eve became the day was because he couldn't he, he couldn't fulfill the orders constantly. So they had to limit it to once a year. He'd work all year round until that point. And they go off to the North Pole and exiled. But they built a castle, and everybody's kind of happy. They got their, their merry little band. They got all the animals. And it's at this point that the special kind of turns its gaze to all the haters who think Christmas sucks. And they're kind of like, no, actually, isn't this fun? And they address the world. You know, this is a hard world. It's very evil. But, you know, doesn't Santa take a little bit of the edge off? And I got to say, that's actually probably one of the better defenses of, of, of you know, the the commercialization of Christmas or, or just the... the forced nature of the celebration obligatory it's something to focus on we get this mind the ending is a little rushed you know santa gets there he's grown out his beard he's still young and we see him a bit through the ages and he gets a little older and that's kind of that he doesn't have a family of his own doesn't carry the klaus line but it's such an interesting note to end on it feels like this special is so abrupt and, you know, you're sitting there kind of, like, thinking, like, what really happened in this? I mean, we did get a hero's journey of, of Santa from young baby to toy maker to outcast to outlaw to marrying Mrs. Claus. Now they've got their castle in the North Pole that's safe from the Burgermeisters who just died out. I don't know. There's just something kind of missing from this special. It's entertaining. It's well made to some extent. The, the stop motion animation is fantastic. It's pretty beautiful. Miss Jessica's fun. The songs are weird. Santa's a dick. I mean, kind of what makes the year without a Santa Claus work is that Santa is kind of one of many. And you've got Heat Miser and Snow Miser. And initially, Santa's not really involved with them. That's something that Mrs. Claus handles. And she's a much more interesting character. This special can't really... I mean, Jessica's very important. But, uh... I don't know. I think that this special 
relied too much on explaining the various elements of Christmas and not necessarily about it, it. It didn't spend a lot of time hoisting Santa up as a figure to root for. Like he's kind of sticking it to Burgermeister, but I mean, why why does he care so much? Why don't they just go live somewhere else and do something else with their time? Maybe they can make furniture. I don't know. They're supposedly making. This this great line of elves who are great toy makers who couldn't didn't actually have a I mean do we know that they were good toy makers? <laughs> what was their reputation? Nobody knew them before. I mean, they were great toy makers to the king. They forgot. I, it's, it's just I don't know. This is all over the place. Uh, <laughs> the end of the podcast is not necessarily the point to harp on that, but uh, I don't know. I, I I never loved this one growing up. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Like, Rudolph and Frosty, that's going to be painful to do. I'm not sure we'll do that this year. <laughs> kind of got a late late start to the uh, our Christmas coverage. Uh, but I don't know. This one is fun, I guess. <laughs> if you've got, like, a, a significant other or relative who just really loves this special, it's probably because they grew up with it. Whereas, I don't know, You're That a Santa Claus is, is a... Is is fun. It's it's good. It's well made. It's funny. It's endearing. It's got a good cast of characters. I don't personally like Rudolph that much. I think it's it's a, an abusive abusive narrative. And yet, at the same time, uh, <laughs> this one I don't I, I don't much rather watch Rudolph than this. But I don't know. It's kind of a fun one. Anyway, I think that should probably be the point that we wrap up. Uh, next up, as I mentioned earlier, we'll be doing Jack Frost. If you enjoy our Esther Illusions Christmas coverage. Please, 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 please leave a review on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts that let you leave a review. If they don't leave a review, maybe find a different one where you maybe it's not your favorite. But uh, leave the rating and then do whatever the fuck you want. Go back to the one that you like. I, this is not particularly useful to... Uh, <laughs> we're done. We're done. But we'll be back very, very soon, a.k.a. like tomorrow. So uh, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time tomorrow.